0: Otzi the Iceman is a real person. His body was preserved in ice for 5,300 years before being discovered by hikers in the Italian Alps in 1991. The unique opportunity afforded by Otzi's frozen state is that scientists were able to perform a forensic analysis on him. They studied the copper axe he was found with, a rare and highly valuable tool of the time, that marked Otzi as someone of special status. They were able to learn what he ate for his last meal, study his dozens of tattoos, and find out how he died. He was murdered. The BBC reported in 2017 that the director of the South Tyrol Museum of Archaeology, which houses Otzi's body, called in a detective from the Munich Police Department to consult on Otzi's murder. It sounds like a joke, but that really happened. The detective felt it was telling that whoever killed Otzi left behind his valuable copper axe. He felt this meant it was not a crime for profit, but more likely a personal vendetta. CNN reported that Otzi was murdered in the Alps at a high altitude and quoted a scientist as saying no one could explain why he was up there. Analysis of Otzi's digested food showed traces of pine and spruce pollen suggesting he was in a high-altitude forest more than a day before his death. But he also had pollen from trees that only grow in forests at lower altitudes, suggesting he descended, possibly to a valley, the same day he died. This pollen evidence also suggests Otzi then climbed again and had his final meal at a high altitude before climbing even higher to the altitude where he was killed. The simple version, Otzi went from a high-altitude forest to a valley back up into the Alps within about a day and a half before he died why would he have done this maybe this is why
1: I saw the shaman in his ritual bear robe with a necklace of polished limpet shells and a crown of shiny raven feathers performing a ritual on his altar Rube sat in front of the altar The shaman burned incense and chanted ancient words of cleansing and healing over the axe. The gold nuggets, the ones Rube had taken from the northerner after killing him? They were on the altar. There was no chance Rube had been honest about how he got those gold nuggets. Why would he have allowed them to be part of the offering to the goddess? Did he feel some sort of remorse? I didn't know. I couldn't know. I approached, torn inside over what to do. I wanted to simply kill Rube there, but to do so in front of the shaman meant explaining everything that happened and hoping the shaman believed me so much he'd accept the killing. Rube was the son of Jakku, who founded our village. This gave him a level of prominence, earned or not. To kill him in front of the shaman would look like an unprovoked attack. I'd lose my position as chief, My family would be banished from the village, as would I. I had to be more measured, as much as it pained me. Dear shaman, why is my axe on your altar? Who dares to speak? I wasn't surprised by his response. It was inappropriate to interrupt the shaman during his sacred ritual. It is I, Utsi, returned home from my travels. The shaman looked upon me as though seeing a ghost.
2: You were gone so long. Rube was worried something had happened to you.
1: I'm sure he was. I stifled a laugh at the grim absurdity. I am not dead, as you can see. I have been a long time coming home because I was badly hurt.
2: How did you get
1: hurt? Rube knows. The shaman looked between us. Rube was as quiet as he had ever been since I had known him. Maybe as quiet as he had ever been in his entire life.
2: We're blessed to have you return to the Great Spirit has spoken. I have cleansed the axe of its evil taint. The axe is not evil. Return it to me, please. No, no, Uzi. If I restore it to you, the evil taint will return to it. I will keep it with me. Then we can all be safe from its evil.
1: Perhaps that's why Rube stole it from me and tried to trade it, along the way attempting to murder me. Perhaps you have noticed Rube is doing the one thing we both know he's incapable of at this moment keeping his mouth shut.
2: Rube has told me that you tried to trade the axe to a heathen northerner to send the evil over the mountains. Would you spread more evil far and wide? I cannot let that happen.
1: If you recall, Rube made the same suggestion when we first spoke of the axe with you.
2: Nonetheless, I must stop this evil right here. I am the chief of our tribe. Give me the axe. No, Otsi. With respect, I will not, cannot!
1: At that moment, Rube lunged for the axe on the altar. He raised it above his head as if to strike me with it, spitting in a mad undertone. You should die! Again, if the situation weren't so serious, I would have left. Rube was a skilled performer of falsehoods. Even the shaman wasn't going to allow this.
2: Rube! Put the axe back on the altar and do not threaten anyone in this sacred space. As you challenge our chief, we shall follow the rules of our tribe and decide what to do with that cursed thing.
1: Rube put the axe back.
2: We will ascend to the godstone circle high on the ridge above the village and hear what you, Otzi, and Rube have to say. Then the village council will consider and put the matter to a vote.
1: Off we went. I wanted to see Mara and the children first, but the shaman refused, and the council was quickly gathered. If I had run off then, it would be the same thing as admitting Rube was right in the eyes of the shaman and the council. It was not an inconsiderable climb up to the godstones. The godstones were large stones arranged in a circle. They were not done so by man but naturally in that formation. The village elders sat on the large stones. The shaman served as arbitrator of the dispute and displayed the copper axe to everyone. Before Rube or I had our turns, some of the elders testified to my character, how honest and reliable I was, fair in trading, always ready to help a fellow villager in need with their fields or repairs to their huts. It made me think perhaps I'd made the right choice. These people knew me. That had to count for something. Rube's predations on their minds couldn't wipe out years of friendly relations. Rube struggled to contain himself as the elders testified. Then it was his turn.
2: The axe is cursed! Utsi's spirit has been corrupted by it! We all know him as a wise, kind, strong chief.
1: This was Rube's cleverness. It had ensnared me for years. A bit of honey before the lemon. A way to align the elder's positive beliefs about me with his position.
2: But after he created the axe, he tried to murder me for taking it to the shaman. Many say he has also grown arrogant and only interested in his own profit. He has become a weak chief... He should be banished.
1: I heard Eric's voice in my head. Maybe I should have killed Rube long ago. Otzi, speak your truth. (coughs) Rube stole the axe from me to trade it for a profit. Where do you think he got the gold he placed on your altar, shaman? Did you ask? He said he traded for it. (coughs) He killed a man and stole it from his dead body. I watched him do it. It is I who have a grievance with him. Why would you banish me? As I spoke, I saw the elders staring at the axe, fear in their eyes. It was sad how feeble-minded these senior men of my village were. This had to end. I surrender my claim. Do with the axe as you wish. I won't
2: make another. Thank you both for speaking your truth. I will confer with the council for their votes.
1: Rube and I stood waiting for the decision. He did his best to stand tall and appear confident, but I could see his hand shaking. He was terrified. He was a coward. Always had been. No matter what he did to me, he always would be a coward.
2: The council has voted. The majority vote is for Otsi to be banished.
1: The shaman wouldn't look at me as he delivered the verdict. His shame made me even angrier.
2: Otsi, you have been good to many of us. We respected you as our chief, but your insistence on creating this axe has cursed our village. You are to leave and never return. We will ensure your mate and children are cared for. You have my vow, Otsi. Though you don't deserve it for your evil acts. To feed your children and comfort your wife in your absence. That was the
1: end. My attempts to be fair and reasonable have only doomed me. I could kill you a hundred times, Rube, and it wouldn't be enough. The council's decision is final, Otsi. Tell me one thing first. A last request. Yes? My mate, Mara. Did she have the child? She did.
2: A boy or a girl? A boy. The village midwife attended to Mara. The birth went well. You have another healthy son. I felt a deep peace. But
1: it was replaced by an almost immediate sadness and anger. Would I miss this little boy's life? Miss being his father? Miss holding him? Soothing him when he cried? Cheering his first steps, watching him grow into a young man? No, not while I still had breath in my body. I turned to the elders and the shaman. Village elders, shaman, I used to think you wise. I see now that you are fools afraid of anything you don't understand, easily swayed by the loudest voice. You are like children. No, worse than children, because children are not as easily frightened. To open your mind would require too much effort and bravery. So instead, you huddle in the darkness of your ignorance. You are like so many cows awaiting slaughter, satisfied in the dimness of your lives. Like cows chewing their cud You can only digest the same ideas again and again. The old ways will not preserve you forever. And when the time comes that the old ways are not enough to withstand the next storm, the next drought, the next winter, those who can see new ways will be the ones who survive, while your kind fades into memory and then into nothing. Banish me, if you like, but in doing so, you banish your own futures. I gestured down the mountain. I'm going home. My family and I will leave the village tomorrow. I would take Mara and the children and move to another village. My Uncle Eric's village, maybe. It was far enough away that we would never see anyone from this village again. One day, this would be an amusing story. I would tell my new son around a fire. I tried to project my mind into that future when this would be a trifle, a footnote in my life story. (sighs) I felt a sharp pain in my back. I looked behind me to see Rube. He had drawn his bow but there was no arrow. I put my hand on my back and realized the pain was from Rube's arrow embedded in my back. It shouldn't have been a surprise that Rube shot me in the back, a coward to the end. I felt my legs give away. I saw Rube rushing me, holding the axe. In spite of it all, I glanced at the council, and they appeared horrified. At the very least, I knew Rube standing in the village would not survive. I fell back onto the furthest godstone. Rube reached me and loomed above me, looking down on me with a manic look in his eyes.
2: You could have just let her be with me. You could have chosen any other woman. You brought it on yourself, footsie.
1: Again, I felt Eric's presence in my mind. I had waited too long to do this. Been too decent. I summoned every last ounce of strength in my body. I managed to pull the axe from Rube and finally put it to good use. With one swing of the axe, I slashed Rube's throat. My momentum sent me back onto the rock. I watched as Rube fell to the ground and bled to death beside me. As we lay dying together, I thought I could hear Rube say,
2: You win again, see.
1: As the world grew blurry, a memory played in my head. I saw myself meeting Mara in the village. She was sitting with other women, stitching animal hides. I brought her a goat and told her, I will give you everything you need.
3: Rube has spoken for me.
1: I had lied to Rube when we spoke of this. Mara had told me about him, and I knew who he was even when I first arrived in the village. His reputation was known in the region, and I knew she deserved better. He would never have accepted that, Do you love him? She looked down and shook her head no. He is not a man who understands what it means to have a mate. He is a man who thinks only of himself. If you become my mate, I will take care of you first and always. I can give you happiness.
3: A few kind words are easy to say. Men love to say them. Living by them is harder.
1: You're right. Let me show you I mean them. Then decide.
3: I think maybe you are trouble.
1: Sometimes. There's good trouble.
3: Why are you so interested?
1: How could I not be?
3: Come see me again, when I'm alone. We can talk more. I promise nothing else.
1: I ask for nothing else. The memory faded replaced by moments from our life together. Mara pregnant, the faces of my children, a stillborn infant, and the face of my infant yet to be born as I hoped it to be. I found myself strangely at ease. I loved my family. They knew I did. I'd been there, with Mara and our children, as best as I could. Maybe that was enough for this life. My eyes closed for the last time.
3: The wheat had grown back. It felt like Utzi's spirit had blessed it. I stood with Annis in the wheat field, his new baby brother strapped to my back. I remembered the baby coming in the middle of the night. How Annis had to rush to get the village midwife. Zaki had gone to get water, but the baby arrived before he could return. He'd come in, stunned, and flatly said he'd brought the water too moved by the sight to speak more. Annis wanted to name the baby. I had wanted to wait until Utsi returned. I had heard from women in the village that he had come back and seen the shaman, but gone to the godstones with the council after the shaman deemed the copper axe evil. I had left Annis in charge of the children and raced up to the godstones. By the time I arrived... The village elders of the council and the shaman were already blocking me from Utsi's body. I also saw Rube's body. Of course, I demanded an explanation, but once I saw Rube's body, I didn't need one. Rube had killed my mate, because he never got to be my mate. It was that simple. I wondered if I would have done anything differently. If I could live my life over knowing what I knew now, would I have gone with Rube if it meant I could have kept Otsi safe from him? I worried that Otsi hadn't known how much I cherished him, how happy I was with him. I hadn't said it out loud in years, but deep in my bones I felt that he knew. It was unspoken between us, but understood. I insisted that the village elders carry Utsi to bury him in our wheat field, but they refused. They were convinced the axe was cursed and had driven Rube and Utsi mad. Their bodies were to be left where they fell, along with the axe. No one from the village would ever be allowed to return there. Telling the children was the most difficult thing I had ever done could only pray nothing else in the rest of my life would be that horrible. After the harvest of the wheat, we would leave the village. While out foraging for berries a few days after Utsi's death, I saw a bear dragging a body through the woods. In horror, I thought it was Utzi. But it was Rube. The bear had ripped him apart. He was a nightmare husk of himself. I felt immense satisfaction at this. Our newborn son's cries shook me from my memories. I tried to ignore him and harvested wheat with a flat, sharp stick, tearing into the wheat stalks with anger and sorrow. Tears flowed, but I didn't notice them anymore, only to hide my face from Annis did I pay them any mind. He had likely noticed my frequent crying, but had been too kind to comment on it. I looked over at him, my face wet with tears. Anis, I know you want to name the baby... I've decided we will give him his father's name. Our baby. Otzi.